There's something about the mountains that I just personally love. I love the energy, I love the fresh air, I love the elevation, I don't know. But it seems like a lot of people have had some pretty spooky things happen to them while up in the mountains. These viewers sent in their allegedly true encounters with strange things up in mountainous areas. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let's check out these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you love getting the chills. So why not upgrade to a super cooling mattress? Our friends at Ghost Bed make the coolest bed in the world, which is great with summer in full swing. And I'll tell you, it ain't great here in the swamp. Ghost Bed has cracked the case on comfort and quality with their expertly crafted mattresses. These guys have been perfecting the art of sleep for over 20 years now, and I'll tell you what, I'll never be turning back now that I feel nice and cool at night. I've been sweating pretty bad this summer, so this has been a lifesaver. They never cut corners, using only the best materials for the mattresses that's as durable as it is comfortable. You'll sleep soundly knowing that you've got the perfect support for the intense dreams you'll be having. Worried about making the right choice? Don't sweat it. Ghost Bed offers a 101 day sleep trial so you can test out your new mattress risk free. And guess what? Most products ship within 24 hours. So, my fellow paranormal enthusiast, it's time to step up your sleep game with GhostBed. Head to ghostbed.com swamped now and use code swamped for 40% off site-wide. Again, head to ghostbed.com S-W-A-M-P-E-D and use code swamped for 40% off site-wide. Something in the Bighorn Mountains by Cam I was younger when this story occurred. Of course, all the adults say kids have a wild imagination, even though my buddy and I swore up and down that this had happened. Anywho, let's get to the story. It was toward the end of the week, and my mom and her boyfriend at the time, I wanted to go up the mountain to his family's cabin. I live north of Wyoming where the Bighorn Mountains reside. As a 12 year old, I asked my mom if I could bring my buddy, for his safety, his name will be Nick. I called Nick and asked if he wanted to go to the cabin for the weekend. He had to ask his mom, and with our moms being close since they were younger, she said yes. Once we got everything in my mom's boyfriend's pickup, we went ahead and picked him up. As he hopped into the back of the truck, we talked about the general things that typically we would talk about, school, girls, etc. As we got to the cabin on the first day, nothing really major happened. We went four-wheeling and had hot dogs and s'mores, and the first night came and went without incident. The start of the next day is when things began to get a little spooky. The day went normal as much as it could. Towards the afternoon, we stayed around the cabin. My mom kicked us out of the place after lunch. We hiked around the house and we discussed a few different things such as movies, shows, Call of Duty, etc. As well as grabbing a stick and pretending to be in Call of Duty. As weird as it may have sounded. Towards dusk, I showed him the treehouse roughly 70 to 80 yards away from the cabin. The treehouse is a triangular platform 10 feet up in the air made of 2x4s and a makeshift ladder. 
the platform is between three trees on each point in a triangle shape, with rails to help with safety and all that. We had our legs dangling from the platform, talking again with the occasional silence between us talking. The forest became dead, which is a natural sign of a predator being around, which became a big red flag with both of us knowing that, especially with us going hunting every fall. We ended up getting the chills. Nick broke the silence. Hey, do you, do you see that? As he struggles to get the sentence out. So that's all the light we had. A feeling of fight or flight. With the sun setting and it being all the light we had, that feeling of fight or flight came through our bodies. We began to hear something crashing through the brush, and in the distance, we saw what I can only describe as a giant, hairy humanoid creature peering at us from behind a tree that was roughly 50 feet away from us. It was at least 9 feet tall. Once I realized what it could be, the hair on the back of our neck stood up immediately. Our first mistake was looking at each other as shock kicked in. We looked back at where the creature was and now it was a bit closer. It was kind of like suspense from those movies in like Jurassic Park when the raptor broke through the glass. We both hopped off and as I'm looking back and forth between Nick and the creature, he hopped down and ran to the meadow in front of the cabin, closer to where we were. Looking back at the beast, I saw it was about 30 yards away. Fear filled my body and I shook without looking away from the beast. I scooted my butt over as I was getting ready to run when I happened to look up and saw this thing face to face. I saw it in its full glory, hair covered head to toe with a brown and blonde mixture of color. With the setting sun putting an orange tint to it, I ended up freaking out as though I had seen death itself. I jumped to the ground rolling as I hit it, getting up and booking it to the same meadow as my friend. Nick was waiting there already. As I'm running, I hear twigs and sticks breaking behind us. I knew this thing was chasing me. Once I got closer to the meadow, I saw Nick telling me to run. As I got to him, I looked back and saw the creature in the tree line. As we were staring at it, it was staring right back. It did something we will never forget. With us catching our breath, we heard it. It was like a loud roar. We ended up booking it to the front of the cabin, slamming the door shut, and my mom and her boyfriend looked at us puzzled. They were asking us questions and we tried to answer, but as I said, they thought we were crazy. After dinner and having some s'mores, we ended up going to bed. The cabin had an open area upstairs, where the six beds were for us kids to hang out in. Towards the back of the upstairs is a screen door. I woke up sometime in the middle of the night to a sound of scratching on wood. The light outside the screen never turns off. I saw a hand scraping the deck floor outside. I freaked out because I swear it was the same hand from that creature. The Not-So-Great Outdoors by Anonymous It was the fall of 2009, and at the time I was 16 years old. I lived in the central part of North Carolina. Nowadays, the cities are loaded with things to do for the Halloween season, but back then, the best form of entertainment I could come up with was to visit the Devil's Tramping Grounds with a few friends. The Devil's Tramping Ground is a local legend. It sits right outside Siler City, North Carolina, about an hour away from where I live, and I have just gotten my license, so why not? 
For those of you unfamiliar with the locale or its legend, the Devil's Tramping Ground is a perfect, circular spot of dead soil in the middle of the woods, deep in the mountains. Despite the greenery around it, nothing grows in that circle. The legend says that if you drop or leave anything in that circle, it is moved and or disappears by morning, as the Devil supposedly comes here to plot his evil doings against humanity late at night, pacing in a circle as he thinks. That's the gist of it, basically. Siler City is a sticks and barns town with long, barren roads that seemingly translate to don't stop until you get the hell out of here. It was on one such road where I began to feel uneasy. Rural roads always have that heavy twilight zone energy, and the road we were on, conveniently titled Devil's Tramping Ground Road, was completely lacking streetlights. The only thing illuminating the overworked asphalt was the fading yellow headlights of my 2002 Mercury Cougar and the useless glow of a crescent moon. In those dim lights, we began to see splatter graffiti on the road leading up to the location. Creepy things I didn't expect, but never really would have understood the impact of until I saw them. In white paint, the road was decorated in crude warnings. The one that I remember the most was, The Devil Lives Here, and a huge white cross in front of the opening in the forest. I parked on the side of the road. The grounds was immediately not as creepy as I expected. It wasn't too deep into the woods. In fact, the clearing could be made out from the road. Not as menacing as I had imagined. Maybe it was the empty beer cans or red Solo cups lying all around. Obviously people partied here. Or maybe it was the jokes my friends and I started making almost immediately that calmed my nerves. But it was two-something in the morning. We decided to catch Lucifer right on his hour and I remember feeling less on edge than I was on the road. My flashlight would get eaten through the trees if I moved it upwards, so I focused the beam on the soil. Truly, more interested in finding signs of the paranormal than my friends were. It was four of us total. Two of my friends went back to the car after a while. It was cold and there was not much to see. I stayed back with a buddy of mine. I brought a Ziploc with me, along with a pocket Bible a rosary in my pocket just in case, and a stuffed rabbit that one of my best friends had given me. Before leaving, I scooped up some dirt and added it to the Ziploc. I found the prospect of dead soil so interesting and figured that maybe studying it under proper light compared to the other soil around will give me a better idea of what happened here. Alien radiation, climate change, sulfur, maybe the devil was just busy that night. In between jokes and complaining about the cold, we heard someone walking in the depth of the woods. This wasn't a mistaken sound. This wasn't a, I think someone is walking in the woods. This was a definite sound and a definite feeling. This was deep behind the brush between the trees, and these footsteps were heavy and unashamed of being heard. This is the first time I noticed no crickets were in these woods. There was no sound other than us. And these steps... I was even more unwilling to lift my little flashlight which was tucked under my armpit and pointed towards the soil sample. My eyes didn't need adjusting and so we stood there as I made out the shape of something in these woods. It was dark, but I could see it fairly well. It was tall, but not distinguishingly tall. It was human shaped, it stood on two feet, and it walked and walked and then suddenly it stopped. But then it would repeat itself by walking, and walking, and then abruptly stopping. I think this thing was slowly making its way towards us. We were petrified. Neither my friend nor I moved. 
I don't even think we breathed for a second. I was so overcome with fear that I felt numb, but a little tremble ran through my entire body. We just stared. Later we would discuss how we both wondered if this thing had seen us and talk about how we didn't want to move in case it hadn't. At this future time, we would also discuss the smell. It was an awful putrid scent, like burning feces and rotting eggs and rotten meat. I grew up Catholic, hence the Bible and Rosary, and have always been told that that smell means the devil is around. That didn't help my case then. Even typing this now, I'm slightly trembling. The thing is that it stayed toying with us among the sticks in the forest. I say sticks because at the time, there was very little greenery. I was certain at this point that it saw me. I had that sixth sense feeling I was being stared right back at, and suddenly, I had an overwhelming fear, this unbearable despair. I realized, then and there, that my friend had been clutching the back collar of my shirt. I think I was so paralyzed with fear that I had ceased to feel anything but that numbness. I wasn't even cold anymore, but when I felt my friend's hand, I dropped everything in my arms and just hauled ass back to the car. Not necessarily running, but very hurried. I was sure my friend was behind me, but between us and in all honesty, I didn't even think about it at the time. I was just ready to go. I was so ready to go, in fact, that I missed the clear path completely and took off in between the trees and brush, heading towards the yellow glow of the headlights. It wasn't an incredibly long trek, like I said before. The road was right there, but it felt awful and long to me. And it was enough for those tiny branches to leave scrapes and even some cuts on my hands, cheeks, and neck. The whole ordeal couldn't have lasted too long. When I got back to my car, the keys were already in the ignition, and the other two friends were in there with the heat on. They both asked me what happened. The friend who stayed behind with me got in the passenger seat soon after and we took off. Our other friends, the ones who had been in the car, pointed out that our eyes were swollen and bright red. I think we had been crying, or at least it looked like we had been. I looked in the rearview mirror and my pupils were abnormally dilated. My eyelids were puffy and tender, and red. Keep in mind, this could all have some form of logical explanation. Maybe the fear made us cry without us knowing, and maybe the darkness combined with our nervous reaction enlarged our pupils. But it was still very odd. I realized long after that I left my Bible, my stuffed rabbit, and my Ziploc bag in the dirt circle. I consider going back the next day in broad daylight, but I haven't been back there since. I still wonder and worry about who has my stuff. Something is prowling my campsite. By Anonymous. First off, I want to thank you for telling the first story I submitted a few months back. You did a wonderful job, and I'm very grateful you decided to tell it. This next story takes place in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State. I had just came back from my second Iraq deployment, and had been assigned to the USA Air Ambulance Detachment at Fort Drum, New York. Seven months later, our unit was transferred to Yakima Training Center in Yakima, Washington. The constant deployment and change put a great deal of strain on an already weak marriage, resulting in her moving back to live with her folks in New Hampshire. I was depressed about it, and when a four-day weekend came up, I decided to head into the mountains for a little time for myself. The road was rough. Going as soon as I left the highway, I kept driving in my 2000 Ford F-150 
until I saw another road about 10 miles away from the highway. This road was overgrown and looked like it hadn't been used for some time. Since my intention was to completely escape away from people for a few days, I took it. The road was hardly wide enough for my truck and went all the way and over a ridge into a quiet field in the middle of the woods. Small steam made its way through the center. I pulled off the road and decided to make a camp. Within a short period of time, a campfire was made and the back of my truck was set up for sleeping. I had an old camper shell and an inflatable mattress with blankets and such. I made a dinner of steak and potatoes and watched the sun disappear below the horizon. It was beautiful out there. No sounds of cars or anything. I felt like I honestly had the whole world to myself, and I felt good for the first time in a long time. A few drinks later of single malt scotch, I decided to go to bed and get some sleep for an early start the next day. I had planned to do some fishing and maybe have a small hike. The weather was cool and the stars and the moon were clear. I fell asleep as soon as my head hit the pillow. A few hours later though, I was woke up to a growl outside my truck. Heavy footsteps circled around my vehicle and then I heard a high-pitched scream. I normally, at the sound of being paranoid, carry a handgun while camping, and this time was no different. I reached over and unholstered my Charter Arms Undercover 38 Special and sat with my back to the cab. It was still circling the vehicle, and I managed to glimpse it through the side camper window. A dark and mysterious looking woman and a short plump man were staring at my vehicle. They did not look armed, so I decided to go ask them what they wanted. I got out of the truck and looked in the direction I had seen them, but there was nothing. I searched the entire area around the site. Nothing. I got back in the truck and locked the door. It must have been my imagination, I told myself, and a few hours later, I eventually passed out again. I again awoke to the truck rocking and screaming and hollering in the early morning as a person was hitting my camper shell repeatedly and yelling obscenities. I did not want to remain there any longer. I slid through the sliding window in my cab, started the truck, and got the heck out of there. When my headlights came on, I saw a circle of people in robes surrounding me. I threw the truck into reverse and punched it out of there. They jumped out of the way as I barreled into reverse through their circle and took off like a bat out of hell, with them running behind me on foot. Then I got to the main road. I floored it out of there. Unfortunately, a highway patrolman was right there, and I was pulled over. He came to my window and after I related the story of what happened, he told me that area I was in was home to a religious cult. The road I went up to was supposed to have a no trespassing sign and a chain. I'm happy nothing more sinister happened. Do Not Camp in the Superstition Mountains by Anonymous I'm a 17-year-old guy currently living in Phoenix, Arizona. Around six months ago, this incident took place on an overnight trip into the Superstition Mountains, about an hour's drive east of Phoenix. I'm not going to specify the exact trail because I've been doing this a long time and I know enough what happens when you post things on the internet. Whether it's a golf course, abandoned mine, ghost, or whatever it may be, people usually come flocking with a lot of trash and loud music. Anyway, this trail I was taking was an 8 mile loop through a canyon, a simple in and out overnight trip. I planned to go with my friend, but the last minute cancellation on his part left me on my own. 
So, with a packed bag and a car ready to go, I decided to go independently. I was not leaving the house on time and having trouble navigating through forest roads. I didn't arrive at the trailhead until around 5.45. For those of you who don't backpack, this is a huge no-no. I had about a four-mile hike until I arrived at my planned camping spot, and it was getting dark fast, so I figured I would move quick. I could get at least two to three miles in before I had to find a spot to stop. This strategy left me hiking a very dark trail on my own with about 15 miles of dirt road between me and anyone else. Walking in the dark by itself can be scary, especially for where I was being on my own. Eventually, it got so dark that I could only see where my headlamp was pointing, and that's when I figured I needed to stop and set up a camp for the night. With only using the headlamp as my light source and trying to move fast, I ended up in a less than ideal spot. But there were some burnt pieces of wood in the remains of a fire circle, hence it looked like people had been there before, but not very recently. My priority was to get a fire going. I scanned the area and was able to find some dry wood, and I got the fire going. I got my tarp out, set it up, and cracked open a can of chili mac I had brought with me. I was looking forward to eating, as I was very tired. I felt good, my camp was set up, and my food was on the fire. The uneasiness that I had from the hike had almost gone away completely, and concern from the walk-in had virtually gone away. But it was still there, a side effect of camping alone in remote areas. To fully understand what happened, I must explain how my camp was set up. The site I had picked was a small clearing surrounded by large pine trees with the trail about 30 feet to my left. When you are in the woods and have a fire going, the fire casts a circle of light around it and everything on the edge of that circle. And past it, you're pitch black. I was sitting on the ground near my fire eating dinner when a small rock about the size of a marble was thrown into my camp. I looked at the tiny rock in shock as I was positive that I was the only person on this trail that night. I immediately turned my light on and towards the area where I had seen the rock come from, and due to the density of pines and brush I could only see about 10 feet. I spent the next 15 minutes in disbelief as I scanned the tree line that surrounded me, searching for whoever had thrown that rock, not daring to stray too far away from the fire that in hindsight offered me a false sense of security. After sitting back down and spending the rest of my time on high alert, I convinced myself that I had somehow kicked the rock or it had fallen from a tree. I went to sleep that night not expecting the pure terror that would unfold. I woke up to the sound of rustling leaves, barely inaudible if you weren't listening for them, but they were there. Still in a sleepy daze, I heard the rustling of leaves, harder to hear as I assumed they were moving away from me. I went to grab the handheld flashlight that I had next to me when I had fallen asleep, but the more I looked, the more scared I got as I realized that it was no longer there. I stood up in my sleeping bag, ducked out of my tarp, and looked around. I could see the light off in the woods. It couldn't have been more than 15 feet away. It was my flashlight lying on the ground in a pile of leaves. This is one of the few moments in my life where I have almost crapped my pants. The flashlight that I had left sitting right next to me when I had fallen asleep a few hours ago was now 15 feet away from me past the tree line in the woods. I hurriedly slipped on my boots, clutching my knife in my other hand and keeping my head on a swivel. I weighed out my options, staying here and waiting out the night or attempting the three mile hike back to my car in the dark. I figured that whoever or whatever was out here with me was going to have a better advantage if I was out on the trail without a light. 
so I decided to stay in the camp and wait it out. Eventually it came back. I could hear it walking through the woods. It was far off, but I could listen to it. It sounded like someone leisurely walking by, like they were on a stroll without a care in the world. Sometimes it would wander too far away and I would lose the sound of its steps, but then an hour later, maybe two, it would return still faint as ever. This went on for three or four hours until I listened to the steps get closer and closer until they were easily seven feet away from me. The fire had been tiny as I had run out of wood in my pile. The footsteps stopped and everything went silent. I sat there for two hours, clutching a knife in my hand, praying for two hours, taking the knife into my other hand and praying that I would hear nothing else. I stayed like that until the sun cast enough light to see that I was alone at my campsite. I packed my things up and speed walked the hell out of there. I did a record three mile hike. I arrived at the empty dirt road where my car was parked and nearly sprinted to it as I unlocked my Subaru, jumped in and drove, and didn't stop until I was at least 20 miles away. I had stopped at a gas station in Apache Junction to buy a Red Bull, mostly just to see and talk to another human being. As I exited the store, I read what was written in the dust on the back of my window. It said, sleep well. Many things have happened to me in my various adventures, especially through Arizona. But this was the most mysterious and scariest day by far, so I thought I'd share it. There is a seriously deranged person living in the Superstition Mountains. Do yourself a favor and stay far away from there. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours will help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to punch that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them multiple times a week on all things natural and supernatural. If you made it to the end, I would love to know what story was your favorite tonight. I'd also love to see you commenting the code word Shining Wizard to see how many of you made it to the end. The funniest comment will get pinned at the top per usual, and I'll see you guys soon with another video. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp. I'll be seeing you all very, very soon.